Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and this episode is sponsored by Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. As I get older, I find that going barefoot on my hardwood floors sometimes hurts, but I don't want to have to wear tennis shoes all day long while I'm cooking and doing dishes. The Linez slippers from Vionic Shoes are a perfect way to feel cozy and supported. They even have a sturdy outsole, so when I need to run out to the mailbox, I don't come in with wet, dirty feet. Vionic also has a range of boots and shoes perfect for these winter months that are designed to keep you comfortable without sacrificing fashion. Not to mention their shoes feature innovative Viomotion technology that supports your natural alignment, providing stability and relief with every step. Use code 3IN30 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at www.vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's code 3IN30 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. One-time use only, Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast to help you feel more like yourself within your motherhood. Each 30-minute episode features three actionable takeaways to help you become a more self-assured mom, someone who knows yourself, honors your needs, and loves your people. Listen in to feel encouraged as we learn together how to overcome overwhelm and find more magic in motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to our February series, All About Relationships. This episode is a continuation of the discussion we had last week with therapist Eli Harwood, all about how to create secure and healthy attachment in our marriages and long-term partnerships. Today, Eli and I are going to dive deeper into what to do when there's trouble in your relationship, when you desperately want secure attachment, but it feels like it's a long way off for you and your partner. How do you work to build your connection with them while also holding on to your connection with yourself? As a reminder, Eli has 17 years of experience helping people process relational traumas and develop secure attachment relationships with their children and partners. She's also the author of an incredible workbook called Securely Attached, and this workbook will help you look compassionately at your past, recognize how it's impacting your present relationships, and take steps to heal and become more secure as you move into the future. Before we jump into the episode, I also want to give you a quick reminder that I've put together a special playlist for you in honor of Valentine's Month. It's a private podcast feed with every single episode about marriage and partnerships that has ever aired on 3 and 30 over the past six and a half years, so you can do a giant binge if you are really interested in this topic. We've had some amazing guests and wisdom over the years, so get it all in one place by going to 3in30podcast.com slash playlist. Eli, welcome back to 3 and 30. I'm so excited to continue our conversation. I love being here with you. Well, we decided to have a part two because in our first episode, you talked a lot about having a secure attachment with your partner where you turn to them with your hard stuff and they Mm -hmm. turn to you with their hard stuff. I know in your book, Mm -hmm. you call this reach and receive, right? Yes. 
where it's a co-relationship where you're both regulating together, you're both sharing together. And that's what a secure attachment looks like. Exactly. And after we ended that conversation, I asked you, what do you do if your partner doesn't feel safe to you to Mm. build that relationship? I could just imagine women listening to episode one and saying, of course, I would love to have that in my Mm -hmm. marriage, but I don't see how that's possible when I don't feel emotionally safe with my partner. How am I supposed to be expected to turn to them when I'm feeling vulnerable? And I asked you your advice and you said, well, that could be a whole conversation. And so we just decided to record it. Here we are, part two. So let's dive in. I don't know if you want to give a little context first and then do takeaways or if you just want to start with the takeaways. We can start with the takeaways. Okay, let's go for it. All right. So if you do not feel emotionally safe with your partner, the first thing you need to do is find a separate place, whether that's with a therapist or with a group of friends or community of some kind that you have in your life. But you need to have a separate place where you can process the grief around that. Um, it's important that you also identify, do I feel emotionally unsafe with my partner because of my past with my caregivers or other partners, or is this about data from this person? Have I reached for them and they shamed me repeatedly? Do I feel like they take it personally when I am tender and upset? And in that processing, if it's your stuff, Well, that's actually the best thing ever. I love when I realize that the things I'm feeling are my baggage because I can do something about that. Mm -hmm. I have actual control over that. And that might mean like doing some trauma processing. EMDR is a great tool if you all haven't heard of it before, but recognizing some of the pain that's still living in your nervous system from the past Mm -hmm. and processing it out so that you can receive the present in a different way. But if you recognize, no, I've been doing my work and I can reach really comfortably for my other close people and I feel emotionally safe with pretty much all the other people in my life, but I don't feel that way with my spouse, my sweetheart, my partner. Okay, so now we've recognized there's something that in the dynamic or something that this other person is doing that negates safety in Mm. reaching for them. Mm -hmm. Now we have to do the work to grieve. We have to let ourselves recognize the impact of what it's been like to be with them. Because if we don't grieve first and we just try to fix it, we'll actually not be as confident in our process of fixing it. We'll waffle. We'll go back and forth between maybe it isn't that bad or I don't know. I guess maybe I'm just, I shouldn't expect that. We want to really allow ourselves to acknowledge, hey, when I am tender, my partner is crispy or dismissive or hurtful or scary. Mm. That's the truth. And I believe my tenderness is worthy of warmth and recognition and response. And that is not what my person does. Mm. And this will feel very sad, like really, really sad because like you didn't get together with this person so that they could be mean to you when you're tender. Like you got together with them in hopes that this would be your place of refuge. And so you're processing that grief and you're accepting it in order to then identify how to communicate your second takeaway. And this is the second takeaway. Mm -hmm. You are going to articulate as clearly and directly as you can, what it is you are needing your partner to learn. Mm. So let's say they are dismissive when you're tender, you're going to come to them and say, I need you 
to learn how to sit with your feelings and my feelings long enough to connect with me and be caring towards me. I understand that that might be a hard thing to do. And honestly, I don't know how you figure that out. Maybe you go to therapy. Maybe you need to do some thinking about how you grow up. Maybe you buy securely attached, you know, whatever the thing is. (laughs) But it needs to change. It's no longer okay for me to be tender and have to take it to everybody else but you. Because I can't bring it to you without being dismissed. And it doesn't feel, it feels yucky and not, not okay. And you can fill that blank in with all the other things. Like, I need you to learn how to be gentle with me. Like, it's not okay to mock me when I'm tender. It's not okay to get angry in response to my tenderness. Mm. You have some stuff here. I'm sure it came from your growing up. I don't believe you're a bad person. In fact, I love you, which is why I am being clear about what I need from you. Yeah. That's your first line of communication. Now, what everyone needs to be prepared for is that the person you're talking about has some complicated emotional stuff Mm -hmm. and just asking them to may not be enough motivation for them to do the thing you're asking them. And it doesn't mean they don't care about you. It means they're terrified to do what you're asking them to do. Mm -hmm. And And they're maybe entrenched in their patterns. Mm -hmm. And so then what? Okay. So this is your third takeaway. Okay. So let's, let's do all three. And then I and have then we'll lots discuss. of questions for you. Yes. Right. We'll discuss after we get all three. So if we have directly, clearly asked someone who is close to us to meet a need, a reasonable need, and they have not, that is when we must establish boundaries. And boundaries are about our behaviors. So a boundary is not about controlling what they do. A boundary is about here is what I'm willing to put up with and what will happen if it doesn't change. Mm. Ultimatum is another word that we use to describe, you know, this type of a boundary. But basically it's, hey, I've already asked you directly to work on this. And in these three tender scenarios, you stayed in that old pattern. Mm. So I need you to now go see this therapist with me or by yourself or whatever for the next six months on a weekly basis. And I'm willing to give you that amount of time to try and figure this out. But if that hasn't happened in six months, I'm going to need us to live in separate houses. That's going to be my next move. I won't continue to live in a house with you where I have to walk on eggshells about my tender feelings. Like those are precious things in my body and in my life. And I I will no longer disavow them Mm. for you to feel comfortable. Yeah. I mean, that's powerful to think about valuing yourself enough to say, Mm. I deserve to not live the rest of my life with somebody that dismisses or worse, um, Mm -hmm. the most tender, fragile parts of me. And I believe in us enough to think that we can work on this and we can fix this. And like, we have to, or else I can't stay in this partnership anymore. I think is incredibly powerful and hard and scary. But so to get to the point where you love yourself enough to have that conversation, which I think is why you got to do step one first. Exactly. That's (laughs) exactly right. The grieving, the processing, the figuring out is my desire for a better, stronger bond with this person unreasonable? Like, Mm -hmm. am I overly needy or I know Mm -hmm. what's the Mm -hmm. attachment 
style that you talk about in your yeah. book? So I used a couple of different words, but in this book, I use the word ambivalent or preoccupied. Those are the child and adult words we use in the research. So an ambivalent child becomes a preoccupied adult. So when you're a preoccupied adult, you do get fixated on your partner and you need lots of reassurance from them. Mm. And that pattern of kind of constantly badgering your partner for more time or more compliments or more data from their phone or more, 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 more. That is an insecure pattern that belongs to you, not to your relationship or to your partner. Mm-hmm. And so that's something you need to work on. Yeah. Right? So if, you, if you're constantly demanding that your partner is always connected 24-7 or you feel abandoned by them, well, that's that's your stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? But if you're like, hey, I could really use like some time with you. Like, could we could we talk this week? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and your partner's like, yeah, sure. And then never makes time for you. And then this happens week after week after week after week. You're not being unreasonable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're just asking for a relationship with that person. Yes. Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. This week's episode is addressing the relationships in our lives where our attachment doesn't always feel secure for a myriad of reasons. Sometimes it's past trauma on our end that makes it difficult to communicate or navigate the relationship, and sometimes it's because our partner has repeatedly said or done things that make us feel unsafe. Whatever you might be going through, you deserve help. A therapist is unbiased and specially trained to help you sort out your complicated feelings without being too emotionally invested in the dynamics of your relationship like a friend or family member might be. Therapy has absolutely changed my life and helped me through many difficult life transitions, and online therapy makes going to counseling so convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Start by filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Even if you can't solve all the issues in your relationship through therapy, you will get to know yourself better and love yourself more fully than ever before, and that is absolutely worth the effort. So this Valentine's month, become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 3 in 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 in 30. This episode is also sponsored by Fabric by Gerber Life. Okay, friends, I have a question, but as is true with all things 3 and 30, you have to promise not to feel guilty if the answer is no. Do you have life insurance? <laughs> if your answer is no, you're not alone. I think many parents put off applying for life insurance because it sounds complicated, intimidating, and time-consuming. But Fabric by Gerber Life has found a solution for that. It was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. It's all online and on your schedule. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash 3in30. That's meetfabric.com slash 3in30. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash 3in30. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states, prices subject to underwriting and health questions. And I think there is a wide range of sort of dismissiveness of our Mm -hmm. vulnerability. And some of it is not grounds for a major conversation. Uh It's just like having communication around it. Yes. 
you know, you often hear, this is a broad stereotype, but women just want to share their vulnerability Uh and their fragility Uh and men like try to fix it, which can feel very dismissive. And Uh I'm speaking from personal experience in my marriage that Uh I've had to say to my husband, encouragement before questions, please. (laughs) Because I'll like pour my heart out about something and he'll be like, well, why don't you just do this? Or why don't, <laughs> and I'm like, the f- first thing I need you to do is just say, that sounds really yes. hard. And then we can move on into the fixing. Yeah. But that's actually empathy. So you're not wanting encouragement because mm. even encouragement is a form of fixing. Yes. And I do feel like, Eli, I'm at a place in my marriage where for a long time, I just said, that's just how he is. That's just mm-hmm. how men are. And I can turn to my girlfriends for that sort of empathy. And I'm at a place now where I'm like, no, I don't want to just turn to my girlfriends. I want to turn to my sweetheart. And Mm -hmm. so I need to teach him how to be Mm -hmm. the person that comforts me in hard times. And I've actually had that conversation with him and said, I can turn to my sisters. I can turn to my girlfriends. I want to turn to you. Do you want to have the type of relationship where we turn to each other? Which he's Mm -hmm. like, of course I do. I'm like, well, then it's not too much to ask for you to learn how to do this with me. No, it's not too much to ask. It's actually really important that you're asking. However, (laughs) he might have to learn how to feel his own feelings before he can feel yours. So empathy is birthed in experiences of empathy. So it's going to be far easier for him to respond to you with, I'm so sorry, my love. I could see how hard that was. Like, how you handled that so well, but man, that must've been awful. That type of a response comes from having experienced someone else doing that with him. Mm. Yes. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we have lots of data on this, you know, culturally the West in specific robs boys of connection to their tender feelings very young, as early as five, as early as five, there's research that shows that little boys believe the statement boys don't cry. Mm. Okay. So we've created an identity around not having feelings for boys and men. And then they come into marriage relationships and they're expected to be responsive to emotions, but they don't even know what their own emotions feel like because they've been Mm. running as fast as they can in the other directions of their body sensations in order to not feel weak or humiliated or vulnerable in male specific community. So now he may have to put in some work to learn how to tolerate his own emotional states and to receive care from you or therapists or other people in his life so that when you say, can you hold me around this? His actual natural response is, of course, because he, he'll, he'll know the rhythm of it. It will make sense to him. Mm, that makes so much sense. Yes, so true. So does this just go back to therapy again? Like, how do you help somebody become more comfortable with emotions? Because I think my husband and I have had many conversations like this over the years where I'm like, I just, I need words of affirmation. I'm a words of affirmation Mm -hmm. person. And he's a man of few words. He's quiet. (laughs) And he's like, it feels so fake to me. And I think Mm -hmm. that authenticity is one of his core values. And so he's Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to just be saying things that don't feel real because I know that you need them. And Mm -hmm. so what do you do with that in a relationship where, and I do think a lot of it is nature. Like we Mm -hmm. just have different natures and opposites attract. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, what do you do with that when it doesn't feel authentic to somebody to comfort somebody else in that way? 
Well, you are a word person and you're very good at finding words. So I would ask, is it possible for you to say, hey, these are the actual affirmations I need you to like validate. And maybe he doesn't say them back to you because that's where it starts feeling like kind of awkward or whatever. But it's like, do you think that I'm like making a difference in the world? <laughs> do you think I'm a good mom? Do you think that I, whatever the thing is, and his job is just to authentically answer. And the chances are he does think all of those things. Uh, yes, definitely. And, and so you're, instead of setting him up to try to be a wordsmith when he's not a wordsmith, mm-hmm. you're giving him the words and he gets to be the heart smith in that moment. He's validating that, yeah. So he's joining you in the words instead of creating the words. Yeah. I would say also asking him to interpret for you. Like, Hey, when you do think that someone is really killing it, parenthood or whatever, how does one know that? Is that like, how does that come out? Are there clues? Like, interpret that for me. Mm -hmm. Right. So then I can read his language more clearly than just expecting him to learn to speak my language. I also need to learn more about his language. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very expressive. I always have been. Um, When I see my people, there's lots of and hugs and bouncing and stuff. My husband is also not tempered the same way I am. And he is very cautious about like causing a scene anywhere. Mm. Bless his heart as I like take over the internet. But um, (laughs) when we were early on dating and we were like meeting each other in public somewhere, I would literally like go into like a gallop in order to like run towards him with my arms open to like jump on top of him. Like that is how I express greeting and reunion. And it it caused this conflict between us because it made him feel embarrassed. Mm. And it made me feel rejected when his response to that was embarrassment instead of like, I'm so glad you're my person and you're like hugging me. Mm. And so we had to, over time, learn each other in those spaces. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't really need to gallop and jump on. I wanted to just express to him like how good it was to see him. It was about wanting to put that love inside of his body And I had to learn that like he feels that gallop at a deeper level if I walk gently and I I just come next to him. And I learned to study the cues of how he does show that affection, you know, and it's it's sweet. It's like under the table. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like he's going to put his hand on my knee and he's going to make sure I know he's glad I'm there. But he wants to also make sure that no one else in the room is feeling, honestly, I think feeling like they're alone and we're like mm. in sweetheart land. He, he is the most tenderhearted human being. He just mm. doesn't want anyone to feel like they but, don't have what mm-hmm. we have. Yeah. <laughs> and over time, those two extreme differences have become far more moderate. Like he's far more likely to be expressive and I'm far more tempered in how I express myself. And And that's where we get in sync with each other. So, Mm. yeah, I think we get a little too, like, my needs, your needs sometimes. (laughs) Instead of, like, how do we find each other? Mm. Where are you? Where am I? How do we get in sync with each other? Because that's what you're longing for in affirmation is synchronicity, is feeling a sense of togetherness and belonging and worthiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of my very favorite marriage counselors, Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife, talks about how all human beings want to belong to ourselves and belong mm, to others. I love that. And in the most securely attached relationships, in the quote, best marriages, whatever that yes. means, like you have a strong sense that you belong to yourself 
and you have a strong sense oh, that you belong to that other person. I'm obsessed with this. Yeah. It's brilliant. <laughs> I love the language. And yes, 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 yes. Amen. Yeah. And I think what you just described is that sort of honoring him mm-hmm. and the way he shows emotion and affection. Like he can continue mm-hmm. to belong to himself while mm-hmm. also belonging to you. And that's yes. like, that is what a close connected yes. relationship looks like. And I'm so grateful, Eli, that you sort of spoke to women who are on a wide range with this. Like there are some women who are feeling a little dismissed when they're upset because their husband jumps right to fixing it. There are some women who are feeling incredibly unsafe and even like emotionally abused when they're upset. And that's kind of two different levels. But what you shared today can help regardless of kind of what level you're at. If you're feeling alone in your relationship, you can first do your own processing and grieving, figure out kind of what you need, ask for it and set some boundaries around like, I need this to happen, you know, in order to be in this close connected relationship. I love that. And for those who really deeply feel physically unsafe with their partners, please, please, please reach out for domestic violence specific support. Mm -hmm. Um, Wherever you are, you can Google the domestic violence hotline and they will teach you how to clear your browser so that doesn't show up later on if your partner's checking your internet usage. Get help from experts because that's a whole other dynamic and confronting someone who's unsafe won't work in the same way as someone who is safe but just dismissive. Yes. Um, So just make sure you have that support and you deserve it and you're not alone and it's not your fault. And I have been in an abusive relationship before and I want everyone to know that there is no shame about having been in an abusive dynamic. It doesn't mean you did something wrong. You asked for it. You wanted it. Hmm. You deserved it. It means you ended up with someone who has an abusive mentality. And I'm so sorry because it's truly brutal. Yeah. And I, I understand this at a whole new level. Now I have a friend that I kind of helped walk through an emotionally abusive relationship. And that's what is so confusing is it was never physical. And so I think it was hard for her to sort of even, Mm -hmm. even figure out if she was being abused. And so I agree, go to like, I think it's the Mm hotline.org and they actually have a list of explaining like signs of emotional abuse so that you know what is just kind of normal disconnect in a marriage, kind of normal conflict versus what crosses lines into Mm -hmm. truly more abusive dynamics and things that you need more serious, deeper help in order to navigate. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that. I know you've probably seen a very wide range in your own practice of, of this kind of yearning to improve your marriage that's pretty typical, normal, understandable over a lifetime of being with somebody versus like truly maladaptive behaviors that need to be addressed. And so I'm really grateful that you mentioned that. So just as a reminder for those who are listening, what is the name of your book and where can they learn more from you? Okay. Securely Attached, Transform Your Attachment Patterns into Loving, Lasting Romantic Relationships, which, by the way, it helps with all relationships, so it'll help you with friendships, anyone you're close to. Mm. Uh, But your publishers make you pick a lane, so they were like, we're going to put romantic in there, and I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, You can buy it anywhere you buy books, so Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, go to your local bookstore, ask them to order it for you, so you can... Go to my website, attachmentnerd.com, or to any of my socials on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, threads, basically anywhere people are running their mouth on the internet. I'm running my mouth there under <laughs> at attachmentnerd. 
and you'll get updates on events and resources you can access and links to buy the book. All right, great. And do you still do private practice or are you mostly just doing writing and education now? I am still in practice, but my practice is full. <laughs> so okay. I tell people, that, that I'm so help. sorry. Yeah. That's not an option to join my practice at this point, but I am still practicing for now. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, um, and I guess that does lead me to one other question. If people recognize that they want, they need a therapist. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people that is daunting to figure yes. out where to start. What is your advice? If they listen to this and they think, yeah, there's serious stuff I need help sorting through yes. in my marriage, where would they start finding a therapist? Well, actually, so one option is I have a team of people that are either coaches or therapists who do coaching online to help you kind of figure out exactly that. Cause it is so unique. You might need a specific type of therapy or therapist or some time to figure out how to even introduce therapy to your partner safely. Mm. Um, so if you go to attachmentlabs.com, you can book directly with one of our coaches or our therapists to get some coaching around what's your next step. Thank you so much, Eli, for sharing your wisdom and your insight. And I hope that everybody listening just feels really seen, regardless of where they are in their relationship, that they know that there's hope and there's tools and that things can get better. So thank you. Thank you for coming on 3 and 30. Love being here. Thank you for having me. Many thanks to Eli for her honest and heartfelt wisdom about working to improve the communication and attachment in your marriage when it feels really difficult. And as a reminder, her three takeaways are, first, find a safe place to process what's going on in your relationship and grieve if necessary. This might be with a therapist or a very close friend. Ask yourself, do I feel unsafe turning to my partner with my vulnerability because of my past? Or do I feel unsafe turning to my partner because data from this person has shown me that they aren't emotionally safe? The answer to those questions will guide your next steps. And don't forget to allow yourself to grieve as you're doing this processing because that is a necessary step. Second, articulate clearly and directly what you need your partner to learn in order for you to feel safe in the relationship. Eli gave several scripts for this, including, I need you to learn how to be gentle with me when I'm having tender feelings. I don't blame you for being uncomfortable when I'm sad, especially with what I know about how you grew up, but this is something that is really hurting me and I'm not willing to just keep ignoring it. If you have that conversation and nothing changes, it's time for takeaway three. Identify your boundaries and next actions. Tell your partner what you are going to do if things in the relationship don't change. Eli's script for this was, hey, I've already asked you directly to work on this, and in these three tender scenarios, you stayed in that old pattern of belittling me. So I need you to go see this therapist with me or by yourself for the next six months on a weekly basis. I love you and I want to figure this out, but if you haven't really committed to therapy over the next six months, my next move is to live in a separate house. I can't continue to live in a house where I'm mocked about my tender feelings. Obviously, modify these scripts depending on your unique situation and relationship, but I love the pattern that Eli has laid out for us here. First, process what's going on in your relationship. Second, ask for what you need to feel safe in the relationship. And third, explain what you will do next to protect yourself emotionally if nothing in the relationship changes. I want you to know that I'm sending you all my love as you think about the takeaways from this episode, because it might be emotional for you if you realize that something in your relationship needs to shift. You might feel sad or scared or alone. Reach out to a trusted friend or therapist if you need support. And please know that I truly mean it when I say that I am rooting for you 
and I hope that you have a beautiful week with your family. Mathis, the host of the Cool Mom Code podcast, where motherhood is your key card to the coolest spot in town. I'm excited to give you a behind the scenes, real talk combo between some of the most influential and tastemaker mamas I know. Subscribe and stay tuned for new episodes weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't ever miss a beat. See you there.